Welcome to the Imago Day Eastside Gathering Podcast. Hey, Imago Day! It is so good to be with you this Sunday as we continue our series on Christ is Our Life. One of the things that I want to talk to you as we're coming up towards Easter, as you know, we have talked about this year is going to be different for Easter with COVID and restrictions and big crowds. We have decided to go all online for our Easter services, as well as our Good Friday services. Our Good Friday services will be on Zoom April 2nd at 7 p.m., and it's a contemplative service where we can retrace Christ's final steps to the cross, remember his ultimate sacrifice for us, and it's going to be a beautiful uh, online uh, contemplative moment. And so I pray that you'll join us. As well, on Easter, that service will be on demand. And so the goal of this is that during a year where there is so much, like so much pain, so much loss, that we believe the church, the people of God, have the most hopeful message for the entire world. And so we're asking this year that you prayerfully invite one of your friends, loved ones, someone who doesn't know the Lord, to watch our Easter service together, either in your home or at the same time. And then ask them if they would be open to having a conversation with you afterwards. We'll provide you with a few easy questions that can roll into that conversation. But Jesus has called his people to go out into the world and to make disciples. And we do this together where we can help declare the message of Christ during a moment where There's so many messages about Jesus that the world is asking, who is the real Jesus? And we want to to show them the real, beautiful, liberating, loving, forgiving King that we know as our Lord Jesus. And and, And so our job together is that you would invite, that you would share, that you would ask someone to watch with you. And then we will give them an opportunity if they want to trust Christ as Savior, we will lead them in that. Or even if they just want to know more following the the Easter services, we will have an online Zoom opportunity where they can speak with me or Pastor Mike uh, and Chelsea and directly ask any questions that they have about Jesus, that you could come to that Zoom with them and we would be able to hopefully help them as they discover Christ for themselves. So there's more information about that online. We'll be talking about more of it next week, but, but right now I would ask that you begin to pray about who it is that you would invite to, to engage in our Easter service together. There'll also be a great worship opportunity that goes along with that, but the, the big call now that, uh, that God has put on our heart is to say that in a year where there's so much bad news, we're the people that actually have really good news, and we're gonna share that together. We also wanna pray for our Asian brothers and sisters and the families of those who were killed in the shootings in Atlanta. Um, This year alone, there have been 3,800 incidences of hate that has occurred against Asian American and Pacific Islander people. And in 
Asian Americans are not just a monolith. They are from China and the Philippines and India and Vietnam and Korea and Japan. And they are uh, just as American as you and I are. And it's so important that as the church, the people of God who have been united across all races into one new humanity, that we are praying for our brothers and sisters, our brothers and sisters in Imago and our brothers and sisters in Portland, and we're standing up against hate in all its forms, uh, particularly against the Asian American people right now. And so be in prayer for them. And brothers and sisters, we remember you, we stand with you against all forms of hate towards you. Uh, we love you. We are in a series called Christ is Our Life. And so if you have a Bible, turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 5 through 17 today. But what I want us to remind us about is what we talked about last week. And last week we talked about taking hold of Christ through the surrender of ourselves that it is Christ in us that is the hope of glory. Paul says, Christ who is your life. And that Paul understood that the believers in Colossae un understood the gospel. Wasn't that J Jesus died and rose again and forgave us. It wasn't information about Jesus, but the gospel was Christ. Christ alive within us. And the way that we apprehend Christ, the way we grab hold of Christ is through faith. And that faith is self-surrender and pure receptivity. It's grabbing hold of Jesus and setting our minds and our hearts and our will and our affections on him and trusting that Christ will gently through his power take control of our heart and our life. And so what does it mean for us to yield our life to Christ, who is our life? What, is, what does that mean for us day to day when we walk in the everything that we go through? Well, this morning, Paul transitions to this idea of Christ being our life and our life hidden with Christ into our responsibility, how it is that we walk in step in this dance with the Christ who now dwells within us. Verse 5, he says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual or immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. And you used to walk in these ways in the life that you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Don't lie to each other since you have taken off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator. And here there's no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, bar barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. 
bear with each other and forgive one another. If anyone has any grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether it's in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Paul now paints a picture for us of what it means to walk in step with Christ, what this life of self-surrender and yielding to the Christ who is in me, who is now my life, looks like. And at first glance, it can be easy for us to put this in a category of just behavior or moralism. Do these things, quit doing these things, and you'll be okay. And the reality is, while there are a list of things that are bad and good in Paul's writing, that it isn't about behavior and it's not about moralism, but it really is about who you are now and who Christ is in you. And he uses this picture of clothing. He uses the imagery of clothing. And he essentially is saying that we have some old death clothes, that Christ has put them to death. And the only power that those clothes really have is when we put them on and we wear them. In other words, they're still in the closet. And if we're being honest, those clothes still feel really comfortable. They're natural, they're familiar to us. We live that way a long time. But more and more, as we surrender ourselves to Christ, we realize those clothes don't fit as well anymore because Christ doesn't wear those clothes. It used to be our only wardrobe, this self-centered life, this clothing that reflected simply what I wanted the clothing of sexual immorality, or I guess that's not really, maybe it's less clothing for that one, and uh, lust, and the clothing of greed and evil's desires, the clothing of, clothing of anger and rage and spite. And Paul says, but this is not who you are anymore. And now, some of you have to be listening, you're going, how how in the world can he say that? Because if you look back on my week, you're going to see that I was wearing these clothes. Sometimes I wear these clothes and I don't even think about putting them on. They just show up. Anger, rage, spite. But it tells us, Paul tells us, that the good news of the gospel is that Christ did what we could never do. That he actually is the one that put off that took those clothes, took that person off and put it to death and crucified it with him. He did what we could never do 
and he put off that selfish self when he crucified it in himself, buried it in himself, and it's gone forever. If you look up at chapter 2, verse 11, he says, Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised in Christ. In other words, when you were brought into Christ, identified with Christ. He says, you've been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised them from the dead. Paul is saying that something has happened, something in the spiritual world that you may or may not have felt, may or may not have experienced, but it happened to you that Christ put, took that old person with all of these old clothes and he took that to the grave with him. He crucified it and he buried it and he left it there. So that old self is dead. It's not just that the clothes are dead. It's not just that we no longer have to wear our lust and our greed and our anger and our rage and our lying, but that the person who used to wear those clothes is dead. And that this new self that is surrendered to Christ and in Christ is alive and is made new. And, and, and so the way that this works out in our life is that, that those clothes are still there. They're in the closet. They're in us. But they only are given energy when we wear them, when we put them on, then they come to life but we don't have to put them on anymore. That's not who, they, who we are anymore. There was a time where it's the only thing we had to wear. It's just who we were, but Paul tells us that who we were has been crucified with Christ, buried with Christ, and the new self is risen with Christ, and Christ, who is your life, now dwells in you. And so the invitation then is to put on the new self. And we do that when we put our faith in Christ. You might not have known it, you might not have felt like it, or even lived like it, but in the deepest part of who you are, when you trusted Jesus, that your selfish self died and your new self in Christ was born, that is the new creation. That's what Jesus meant in John 3 when he talked about being born again, that there is a new spirit in you, the very spirit of God in Christ, who is your life, now dwells within you. And Paul says there's, there's the first thing that I want you to understand about this new person, this new humanity, is that we all look like Christ. It doesn't matter what your race is, what your gender is, what your age is, what your political stripe is, Jew or Gentile, slave or free, because when you, it doesn't matter where you come from on the globe, we all look like Christ. Why? Because Christ is all and is in all. That Christ is the very person who dwells within you that makes you alive, that makes you new. This is why, brothers and sisters, that racism in the church is the most blasphemous thing 
that the church has ever done and been culpable for. It, it goes to the very heart of the gospel, and it is an anti-gospel. This is why Christian nationalism is so blasphemous. Because at the, at the core of the new humanity that Christ raised from the dead is in himself, and there isn't any distinction. It doesn't mean that the uniqueness of each race and each gender isn't intact, but that Christ is all and is in all. We all wear Christ and look like Christ. There is no distinction. That is the first thing about this new you, this new person. And we have a long way to go as the people of God to not only repent for the ways that we have been blasphemous against the gospel in our hatred towards other races or other people, but to, to enter in and truly live out of our oneness, right? Our oneness in Christ, our oneness globally, our oneness across borders, across walls, across streets and cities, across so many divides, Christ is all. He's all. He's in all those places, and he's in all. And so the new self that has taken residence within you because Christ is in you is one in which we all begin to look more and more like Jesus. The second thing about this new you is that you're God's chosen people and that you're holy and you're dearly loved. That is the center of our identity. And that's true for you and that's true for any other brother and sister who believes in Christ, that every single one of us is chosen by God, set apart for him, holy, and dearly loved. And knowing these things, knowing that we are one because we are in Christ and that Christ is the one that we are uh, beginning to look like, that we're beginning to put on together, and that we are desperately loved by God, chosen and set apart for him. Now, when we hear the things that, that Paul says, this is what I want you to do, this is, these are the new clothes that I want to I want you to put on because this is what Christ wears. This is who he is. And so when we surrender to him and we put Christ on, he becomes our new self. And so there's this new wardrobe full of powerful things that we never knew that we could actually wear. They're life-changing, world-altering, resurrected life kind of clothing so that Christ will look good on you. He lists them as compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with each other, forgiving one another. If we have any grievances, 
forgiving as Christ forgave us. Over all these things, putting on love that binds them all together in perfect unity. The, the picture there is like a belt that holds all these things together. These are not religious clothes. These are not pious clothing. This isn't about dressing a certain way to look like a good little Christian. But these are Jesus enfleshed within us. This is the heart of Christ coming alive in you and through you to others. This is what it means to put on Christ. So where you used to wear anger, now he says, don't put that on anymore. Don't give it power. Leave it hanging dead in your closet and put on gentleness and patience. See, every day we're invited to participate with Jesus in this life of surrender. In this life where he actually becomes our life. And so our closet has both sets of these clothes. And in the gentleness of Christ, he, he asks you, Today, what are you going to wear? What do you want to put on? And you look at those old clothes, and let's be honest, all of us have some nasty old clothes that we love to wear. Those sweats that, you know, you're still rocking from college that should have been burned in a fire a long time ago. You're still, but you love those sweats, right? That, that, shirt from the 1992 Nirvana tour that you just cannot give up, like whatever it is, we all have those kinds of clothes. And if those clothes reflect these things, those anger clothes, those rage clothes, the lust clothes, and we look at these clothes and we think to ourselves, man, that's so comfortable, right? Like, when I put on anger, I'm like, man, I remember I've worn this all my life. It feels good. I'm comfortable in it. My dad had a shirt just like this, right? This is just who I am. And yet everybody knows when you're wearing that shirt. They see you wearing it and they want nothing to do with you. Your friends don't want anything to do with you. Oh, here he comes again with that really loud, angry shirt. Your kids don't want anything to do with you. Every time I put that thing on, everything goes to hell, literally. And Jesus is here to tell you this is not a natural fit anymore. The, the person who used to wear that quite comfortably has been crucified and buried. I put them off for you. I did the thing you couldn't do. So you don't have to choose it because it's not a natural fit for you anymore in Christ. It might feel that way, but it's not. That's that old self, the unsurrendered self, the no faith self. That's not yourself in Christ. And so no matter how much that shirt calls out to you, you do not have to wear it. And if you don't wear it, you're not going to give it power. Then there's this other shirt, this Christ shirt, this gentleness and patient 
shirt. And no, it's not a fluffy pink pirate shirt as you think about gentleness and patience. It is a shirt of power. It is a shirt that reflects Jesus. It is attractive to people. People notice it. They're drawn to it. They like being around it because it's full of grace and it's full of love. Your kids will notice that you're wearing a different shirt. Your wife, your husband, your neighbor, your friends, your coworkers. We're drawn to it because we're drawn to Christ. And so Jesus asks you, okay, here you are, my brother and my sister, like which, what are you gonna wear? And when we surrender to Christ, what we do is we begin to put on Christ. We're gonna leave anger hanging there, powerless, in the back dark of the closet. We're gonna put on gentleness, we're gonna put on patience. And we're going to yield to Christ as he acts out his gentleness and his patience. And then we're going to receive his power for that gentleness and patience to move through us to other people. The same would be true for lying. Lying is the easiest, most comfortable clothes to wear. I mean, if we're honest about most of our clothing, we're trying to do something that's a lie, right? We want us to, I want to look a lot better than I actually look. And And so when I'm called to be honest about my life or what I've done, it's just so easy to tell a lie, just to lie. All of us do it. We live this lie. Lying is comfortable. Honesty is this big, vulnerable kind of shirt that we really don't know how to operate in. And yet, when we don't wear that lie and we put on honesty, there is, there is an element of integrity, of trust, of, of someone that I can count on, of someone who will tell me the truth because they love me, and, and that's attractive to people. And so Jesus sits there moment by moment throughout our day, and he says, what are you going to wear? What are you going to wear now? That person's offended you. What are you going to wear? Are you going to put on spite? That'll feel really good. Get back at them. But that doesn't fit you anymore because that's the selfish shelf that I've already taken off. So what if you put on forgiveness just as I forgave you? Now you can extend my forgiveness to another person. Every day, brothers and sisters, we are not invited into a list of do's and don'ts, but we are invited to surrender ourselves to Jesus and to put on Christ and to leave those grave clothes hanging where they belong without power and without fulfillment so that we can put on Jesus. That's what it looks like day in and day out to live the surrendered life. And then how do we do that in community How do we live a collective surrender? Well, he tells us in the last few verses, and he says, let Christ rule in your hearts in peace. Let Christ rule, let let Christ peace, wait, let me read it here because I'm jacking that up pretty bad. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body you are called to peace. 
Let the message of Christ dwell richly among you and teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through hymns and songs and spiritual songs. This collective surrender is where together we say we will now make room for Jesus. This verb let, it's a really weird word, L-E-T, let. And what it means is to create space for when Christ's peace is meant to dwell among us and hold us together, that we want to make space for Christ and his peace to dwell here richly. What that means is that we have peace between God and us and we have peace between us and one another. We should be in a world of so much pain and strife the church should be a haven of peace, brothers and sisters. How do we create peace? We, we just make space for Christ. We surrender to Christ. We want to let the message of Christ dwell among us richly. What's that message? It's the message that Paul's been getting across. Christ is in us. He's in us personally, but he's in us collectively. And so to let that message dwell in us richly means that we're not going to move past that message to get onto the deeper things of God. We want to keep right here reminding each other, bro, that is not, don't wear that anymore. That is not who you are. Christ is your life. Christ is in you. Let's continue to help each other dwell deeply and richly in that message. This is hope. This is good news. This is the fact that the God of the universe has come to live within us. So we just make space. We let Christ's peace. We let his message dwell. And then we teach and admonish one another, meaning we sing. We sing and we celebrate and we continue to declare and rehearse in every way imaginable that, that Christ is our life, that he, he buried us and crucified us and he rose us into a new person and his life now lives through us. That is the greatest news that we could ever sing about, that we could ever teach, that we could ever encourage one another about. And then finally, whatever we do in word and deed, we're going to do it in the name of Jesus. That this is not about a church that's full of nice people who do good things, but this is about Jesus dwelling within his people, allowing his life to go out in word and in deed so that Christ would be all and in all. Brothers and sisters, this is for us to learn to walk in a new way and keep in step with Jesus, who is our life. What are you going to wear today? What are you going to put on? Amen.